Barbara Streisand had this beautiful clifftop residence in California with a pool, multiple wings, and direct views of the ocean. The California Coastal Records Project photographed this residence in Malibu to document coastal erosion, but Streisand was not happy about this. Streisand actually tried to suppress the images by suing the photographer for $50 million, and this lawsuit backfired. Before the lawsuit, this photograph was only downloaded six times. But after the lawsuit, this photograph got so much attention, it was downloaded over 400,000 times. This picture went so viral that this phenomenon of an attempt to hide or censor information backfiring got a name, the Streisand effect. Today, we are going to be talking about the Streisand effect and a few examples in pop culture and in Desi culture. We're going to be also sharing a few real stories from people from the internet where the Streisand effect was put into action. So let's get started. Hi, my name is Shree and welcome to Masala Takes. This is where I share my takes on stories from the internet and topics related to culture, identity, community, and human dynamics. Today we're going to be talking about the Streisand effect. Well, the Streisand effect is actually an example of psychological reactance where when people are aware that some information is being kept from them, they're significantly more motivated to get it and spread it. It's kind of like the idea of playing hard to get, but with data or information. And when things become secret, they kind of become really attractive. We have seen this a lot around the world and specifically in Desi culture. And we are going to be going through a bunch of examples today. Our first example is from 2008. The Church of Scientology a very controversial belief system that infiltrated Hollywood, tried really hard to get websites to delete a video of Tom Cruise speaking about this religion. Unfortunately, this video just got more attention, and the attention that this video got as a result of these efforts ended up in the creation of an anti-Scientology protest group. This brought a lot of negative press to the religion. During the 2013 Super Bowl, Beyonce's Super Bowl performance was epic, BuzzFeed posted pictures called Beyonce's Fiercest Moments, a post that didn't do too well. Beyonce's publicist nicely asked BuzzFeed to remove some of the photos that looked unflattering. BuzzFeed responded by making another post called The Unflattering Photos Beyonce's Publicist Doesn't Want You to See. They were the same pictures, but this post went viral. Also in 2013, a video was uploaded showing evidence that the Samsung Galaxy S4 spontaneously caught fire. Samsung agreed to replace it in exchange for taking down the video. Instead, the creator posted a second video exposing Samsung for their poor handle on safety issues. This video got 1.5 million views and Samsung got a ton of bad press. Now we are all familiar now with Uber, the popular rideshare app that threatened taxis everywhere when they first came out. In 2014, taxi drivers rallied on the streets of London to protest Uber. But as a result of this protest, Uber received an 859% increase in downloads and record signups since their launch in 2012. In an attempt to divert Uber traffic, they actually increased Uber traffic 859% fold, which is the Streisand effect on full display. Now this next story I'm going to tell you about is actually what made me learn about the Streisand effect and what made me want to include this in my podcast. And this just happened very recently in mid-2013. Colleen Ballinger was a YouTube sensation in the 2010s, where stars like Lily Singh were ruling the internet. Her alter ego, Miranda Sings, targeted a young children's audience, and while I personally found her super annoying, I was in the minority at the time. 
She even had her own Netflix series and cameos in movies like Wreck-It Ralph. Her YouTube empire grew, and she also started posting as herself. She shared her journey into momhood and her personal journey with her relationship. But all of this came crashing down when it came out that she had used this platform to engage in inappropriate relationships with children. Some of these things that she did were so brazen, she did them on stage and still faced no consequences. The character that she created was inappropriate by nature, but the target audience was little kids. She has posted several apology videos throughout the years for doing things like mailing children lingerie or sending children inappropriate messages. Adam, someone who worked for Colleen as a minor, shared some really damning receipts of some of these interactions. Her fans were watching this unravel, but it remained in a fairly secluded corner of the internet. In June of 2023, after some new information was shared, Colleen released an apology video against the wishes of her PR team, and this video went viral. She did this entire apology as a song on her ukulele. I am not making this up. And she negated every single apology of the past by blaming every single accusation of grooming, etc., as a part of something called the toxic gossip train. It was a very catchy song. Colleen is a talented musician, but it was 10 minutes of sheer gaslighting and this video ended up getting over 15 million views. This song alluded to accusations long forgotten and in the days that followed, the conversations reopened about offensive content made by Colleen, both racist and predatory in nature from the beginning of time. Until this point, Colleen still had her success, her wins, her fans, and her accusations probably would have been blown over like all of the accusations of the past with meaningful apologies and carefully crafted PR. But in the self-driven stunt to hide her past, she ended up bringing so much attention to the errors of her past that she basically erased her entire career. I have a lot of takes on cancel culture. It's probably a full episode, but I think in this case, all's well that ends well. Of course, I can't finish this episode without talking about a few examples from Bollywood and Desi culture. Now, in 2016, the Bollywood film Urta Punjab was released with a star-studded cast. This film revolves around the drug abuse issues that plague the northern state of Punjab and the issues surrounding that, along with the socioeconomic impact. The Central Board of Film Certification requested that the makers of this movie make 89 cuts to this video, saying that the themes were too vulgar. They wanted to censor this drug problem, but the problem was that these cuts were so significant that the movie that would have remained wouldn't have even told a real story. Eventually, the Bombay High Court overrode that decision and allowed the full film to be released. Now, this whole controversy piqued the interest of viewers, and that movie ended up being one of director Abhishek Chaube's most popular movies. And really, psychologically, the whole thing about the Streisand effect is that we want what we can't have. Now, recently, the BBC documentary called India, The Modi Question, was banned in India. Nobody had even heard about this. But after the ban, people were going to all lengths to find a way to watch this movie. And of course, it's not just media. If you grew up as an Indian, literally anywhere in the world, you've probably heard of Bornvita. This was the health drink of the 90s. I never liked milk, but as a kid, I remember going to India for trips and being forced to have this drink first thing in the morning. Well, in April of 2023, an influencer created a video on Born Vita attacking the sugar content of this drink. This is content that we've all seen before, and it's really nothing new. But this video got nearly 12 million views right away. Born Vita sent a legal notice to this influencer, and the influencer quickly took the video down. 
However, this legal notice only made the video go even more viral. There were news articles and bootlegged videos everywhere. And it wouldn't be a Masala Takes podcast if I didn't share at least one story from Reddit on the Streisand effect and how it impacts people in their day-to-day life. So I found this one story on a Reddit subreddit called Am I the A-Hole? It's one of my favorite. So let's just get into that before we wrap up this episode. Am I the A-Hole for saying that I was hurt, that I wasn't invited to a wedding that all my old friends were invited to? I, 28 male, used to have a friend group of about 10 people back when we were in middle school and high school. Then college happened and we all drifted apart. Nothing really happened to make us drift apart, just growing up and losing contact. Still friends, but not talk all the time, hang out regularly friends, if that makes sense. But of course, some of us stayed close friends with each other. Now, one person from this friend group, Kayla, fake name, 28 female, is getting married in a few weeks. I didn't get an invitation, but I wasn't hurt. I understood. We didn't stay close friends. But then I was hanging out with my best friend, Bob, 28 male, who was also in that friend group a few days ago, and he mentioned that he's going to the wedding. I was a little surprised, but I told him I hoped he had a good time. He asked if I was going and I told him no, I didn't get an invite. He said that was strange because everyone else from the group was going. Two of them were plus ones as they were dating or married to other ones who got an invite, but they were all going and Kayla knew it and even told Bob that she was really happy that the gang was getting back together on her special day. I told Bob I was kind of hurt, but I didn't want to make a big deal about it. Two days pass. Kayla calls me fuming mad that I was whining that I didn't get an invite to anyone who would listen. I told her that I wasn't. I explained to her what happened, and she said that she's been getting texts and calls from other members of the group saying that she should have included me and wanting me to put a stop to it. I said I would do my best and that I was sorry that I caused her this trouble. She thanked me for the apology and hung up. I called Bob and asked why he spread this around, and he said that he didn't mean to, He felt bad that I was hurt and he wanted to ask someone else from the group if they knew why I wasn't invited. And she spread it around and I guess everyone wanted to know why Kayla cut me so specifically out, so they started asking her. I made a Facebook group chat with all of them and politely asked them to leave Kayla alone, that I was just hurt in the moment and vented about it to my best friend and that's where it should have stayed. They all said okay and apologized to Kayla. Yesterday, Kayla made a Facebook post ranting about me without saying my name and said that she had to hire security to give them a photo of me to make sure that I didn't try to crash the wedding, something I would never do. The comments under the post were all calling her out. She called me again and screamed at me that I was ruining her wedding and told me that some of her friends are considering not going to the wedding now, and now I'm just wondering if I should have just kept my mouth shut or stood up for myself or what. So this is definitely an example of the Streisand effect and how it impacts our day-to-day life. This issue would most likely have just been swept under the rug as a misunderstanding between friends if Kayla didn't decide to clear her name and make this Facebook post about it because all she ended up doing was getting negative attention to herself about what she was trying to do. I mean, maybe there's something we don't know about for why this person was singled out and not, you know, invited. Maybe Kayla had a crush on him or maybe there's something that we don't really know about. But I think that this person had every right to tell his best friend in the moment when he realized that he was the only one who was not invited to be like, oh, that's hurtful. I think that's pretty straightforward response. I don't know if the best friend should have told the other friends, but I think that normal level of curiosity is also expected from a group of friends who have known each other a long time to be like, hey, how come Kayla didn't invite this one person? I think that's a normal conversation to have. And when it kind of blew out of proportion and people started reaching out to Kayla, I could see why Kayla was frustrated in that moment. But 
I think that what this person did by telling everyone in the group to be like, hey, can you just leave Kayla alone? Like, it's her wedding. I don't care that much was actually so cool and so respectful. And I think that this person really has an understanding that, hey, maybe we've drifted apart. And I think that's cool. So I think this person was handling it in a supremely mature way. I don't think this person is an a-hole at all. And I think that the person who messed it up for themselves was actually Kayla with this really silly Facebook post. First of all, I think, you know, complaining about people on Facebook or Instagram or any public forum when it should be a conversation is really immature in general. But to make these kinds of strong, bold statements when they're not true, like there's no reason that Kayla has to hire security and she knows that, but she's told herself a story in her head to justify why everyone is asking her this question. And she's probably just projecting and like trying to make up for the fact for the real reason that she was not inviting this friend. So there's probably something going on over there with Kayla, but Kayla is the one who messed this up for her friend, not anyone else. And if I was one of the friends in the group who was invited, I would have probably attended up until the Facebook point. I probably would have gone through the same thought process, especially if this was a friend I've had for like decades, right? I would have said, okay, Kayla didn't invite this guy. I wonder why. Maybe I'll ask Kayla directly. Oh, Kayla doesn't want to talk about it. Okay, whatever. Maybe there's something I don't know about. I'll still attend the wedding. But now if Kayla or my friend went on social media and slandered this person who literally has no idea why they're not invited and nobody's able to communicate that to him. And he doesn't even really care. And he's made that supremely clear to everybody in the friend group to be like, just leave Kayla alone. I would have probably been like, okay, is this a friend that I want to have? Is this a connection that I want to make? Maybe not. There's actually a couple of updates that I didn't realize that this post had. So let us go through those. So one update says, I'm bi. I have no knowledge of Kayla ever having a crush on me. Oh, that's what I thought was going on here. I don't know if her fiance is gay or bi. I've never dated Kayla. I did date someone else from the group back in high school and into college, but the relationship ended amicably and I'm still good friends with her. The only notable event that might have made things weird is that we all went skinny dipping once when we were 16, but nothing else really happened there. And as far as I know, nobody was creeped out or anything by it. There was no big political shift in any of us that may have divided us. And now there's two big updates. So let me open those up. Okay, so anyways, I got an answer for why I wasn't invited to the wedding. Turns out that someone else from the group named Samantha had a crush on me for years, but has been too afraid to tell me or act on it. Samantha was in the bridal party of Kayla's wedding and told Kayla that she was finally going to make a move on me at the wedding after all her bridal party duties were taken care of. Kayla didn't like this and thought I was not good enough for Samantha, but she didn't say anything and decided to just not invite me and hope Samantha dropped it. But when Samantha heard about me being not invited, she could smell the BS and confronted Kayla, knowing exactly why I wasn't invited, and she said that she wasn't sure she wanted to even be in the bridal party after Kayla would do something like this to her. That's when Kayla called me and flipped out the first time. After the group chat where I asked them to stop, Samantha was so upset that she did drop out of the bridal party, and that prompted the second phone call to blow up on me. Samantha called me this afternoon and told me all of this, apologized for the BS, and asked me out for dinner on the night of the wedding, and I accepted. This may seem pretty petty to go out on the night of the wedding, but it was Samantha's idea, and also Kayla is just crazy, and her number and social media is blocked, so I can't get any more calls if she blows up at me a third time. Thanks for the judgment and the kind words and reassurance in my Am I the A post. This is exactly what I predicted. Like Kayla had something up her sleeve and she was trying to turn it on this guy who literally had no idea what was going on. Also, I think there's this big culture, like a bridezilla y kind of culture where all the attention has to be on you. But like if people meet at your wedding, that's a great thing. In fact, at my wedding, 
my best friend from childhood. Like we literally grew up together. Our parents knew each other before we were born. We are still like best friends today. So she met my husband's cousin at our wedding and they ended up getting married a year later. And now we have kids that are almost the same age and they get to grow up together as cousins. And the fact that I get to be family with my best friend is kind of really cool. Like it's a great story that love happened at our wedding. There was great vibes. This is a positive story to tell. I don't think any of these things happening would take attention away from the bride. And I also think that it's kind of very bizarre for the bride to want to police what other people are doing. Like if they want to find love on the reception dance floor, they should go for it. So here's the final update from this original poster. Out of the 10 people in the friend group, only four people went to the wedding. Kayla, of course. Kayla's cousin, who still sides with me, her partner, and another whose mom is best friends with Kayla's mom and would absolutely kill me if I didn't go despite all the BS. Sam has Kayla blocked on everything, but Kayla has sent her three written letters trying to convince her to reconsider dropping out of the wedding and even showed up at Kayla's house twice to try in person. Sam burned all three letters and didn't answer the door both times, but told Kayla through the door the second time that if she didn't go away, Samantha would call the cops. Kayla called her an ungrateful skank and ran away. While the wedding was going on, the three friends that were at the wedding were leaking information to Sam and I in a group chat. Kayla replaced Sam in the wedding party with another cousin in a dress that didn't match the others. Kayla seemed happy throughout the wedding, and honestly, despite all of this, I'm happy that she was happy at her wedding, or at least pretended to be happy, as Sam said she might be doing. No big drama or blow up or anything happened at the wedding, and Kayla and her husband are off to their honeymoon in Hawaii. Now to the date. It went really well. We met up at a Korean barbecue place that I said was good, and we just had a great time talking about the past, how long she's had a crush on me since middle school, talking about the Kayla situation, and just all sorts of stuff. Afterwards, we went back to my place and spent the night together and all of the next day. She read these Reddit posts and a bunch of comments. I said she could make her own account and post her POV, or I could just let her use this one, and she said she would text me her POV, and I would just copy and paste it here. So that's what we're going to do. So we also have Samantha's point of view. I just read Sam's entire POV and I think it mirrors exactly what the original poster already posted. So I don't think there's any benefit of me rereading that whole thing. But one thing that Sam did allude to was the fact that there was a deeper history with Kayla around the underhanded thing that went beyond just this one incident. So she wasn't cutting her friend and skipping the wedding over one single incident, which I also may have been on the fence about because people tend to go a little bit bonkers during weddings, but also maybe you tend to see who people really are during weddings. So I'm not sure what the right angle would have been there, but there's obviously a little bit more of a history for Sam to really cut one of her closest friends in the way that she did. Anyways, that is today's Reddit story. And before we wrap up today's episode on the Streisand effect, I have to share my masala takes. Now, when it comes to movies, media, and even popular brands or pop culture, People tend to psychologically be drawn to things they cannot have. But my personal take on how the Streisand effect can affect our day-to-day lives comes down to this quote that I found. It says, It takes a lifetime to build a reputation and only a moment to ruin it. Whenever we share something, especially if it's something we're sharing publicly, we need to reflect on the intention of what we're sharing. We need to ask, what outcome do we hope for by posting, sharing, etc.? And if the outcome isn't really clear to you, it's probably best not to share it at all. Because if something negative were to spiral out of control, it could override all of the good things. As someone who shares candid takes on the internet, this is something I'm constantly thinking about. Have you ever experienced the Streisand effect in your life? Or have you ever just had the thrill of wanting to get something you can't have? 
Well, let me know, share all of your stories with me, and we will see you next week for another episode of Masala Takes. Bye! The past couple of years for me have been wild. I've had two major job changes. I started an art business. I even had a baby and went on maternity leave. But through all of that, I managed to keep painting and singing. I even started a podcast. And the thread holding this entire period of my life together has been this Shri's Arts Journal. This journal has specifically curated prompts designed to help all of us be way more intentional with our time and to manifest the future of our dreams. In my journal from four years ago, I had drawn myself sitting on a couch looking at a lake, and today I literally have that exact lake view. In my journal from three years ago, I started to use the goal setting pages to manifest being self-employed and having my own business. Within a few months, I had started my art business, and it happened by chance. In the journal entry I made in my first trimester, I had drawn myself living this maternity life where I could be a mom but still balance creativity and personal fulfillment, and I'm literally living that life today. There are so many specific questions in place to get us really thinking about what we want. I wasn't actively working on any of these goals, but my subconscious was definitely at work because I had written all of these things down. There are also a lot of prompts in place for reflection. I'm not the best personally at celebrating my personal wins, so seeing them all on one page has been really great for self-worth and for motivation. I have never been the most consistent person with journaling outside of my annual journaling period, and one thing I really love about the Shri's Arts Journal is that most of the prompts and the coloring book style affirmation pages are all free-flowing. They're just there when I'm ready to take a moment to look inwards. This journal was made for the busiest of us. There are literally no commitments. And this is the last year this journal will ever be in production. There are a very limited amount of these left, so make sure you check out the link in the description and use the code MASALA for $10 off. Let 2024 be our year of being more mindful and introspective. Again, use the code MASALA, M-A-S-A-L-A, for $10 off. Let's get back to the episode. <laughs> 